Over the last few weeks, we've said we want to get 1% better at following Jesus every day because tiny improvements consistently and over time can actually lead to huge victories in our lives. Last week, we said that lasting change must first come from our identity. When we have a change of heart, our desires change and our identity follows closely behind. This week, we're going to build on the foundations that we've laid over the last few weeks and get super practical. Now that we have identified Jesus as our Savior and He has become our first love and our hearts are inclined toward Him, we are poised to get better. This sounds great, right? But before we jump into the heart of the message this week, let's read something that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7. He said this, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Now, can you relate to Paul? Have you ever felt like he did? You want to do the right thing, but somehow, some way, you would end up doing exactly the opposite? It's a little bit comforting to know that guys like Paul struggled with some of the same things that we struggle with, especially in regards to sin. We said that there are two factors that derail our good goals. One was they aren't tied closely enough to our identity, which is what we talked about last week. The second reason is we don't have a good system in place to maximize our progress. I think this series and this message is so important because if we go back to the same approaches for improvement that we've tried in the past, we're likely going to end up with similar results. The typical Christian's New Year's resolution sounds something like this. I want to spend some time reading my Bible every day in 2021. Or, I want to read through the entire Bible this year. Or, in 2021, I'm going to pray more. Or, this year I'm going to serve in church and in the community. Now, don't get me wrong, these are all great goals. But unless they are connected to our identity and supported by a healthy system, they won't stick and become habits that change the way we live. Why? Because life is full of friction. Every one of us have existing habits in our lives right now, and all of us have gotten comfortable doing the things that we're already doing. Habits are basically choices we no longer have to make, and our days are made up of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of choices that we no longer ever think about. The friction has become so minimal and our routines so familiar that we go into autopilot for much of what we do. We don't think about the kind of container we're going to pour our coffee in, a mug, or where we're going to find them, the cabinet. We don't think about where we're going to take a shower, the master bathroom, or whether we'll put on deodorant or not. We don't, we don't think about the routines uh, that go on in our lives. You know, we, we don't think about where we're going to park our cars or the route we're going to take to work. Of course, when we have to take a detour because of construction or when there are no clean coffee mugs in the cabinet, things can spiral out of control pretty quickly, right? We don't have to think about lots of the things we do until we have to. Our brains are really, really good at processing the mindless sort of background tasks of our day so that we can focus on the larger issues of life. We go on autopilot until there's an issue that needs to be addressed. The problem is when we try to insert new choices into our lives and, and try to start creating better habits like praying or reading the Bible, we have to deal with the friction 
that comes with changing our existing familiar routines. What I want to do with the rest of our time together is help implement a system of success so that we can improve by 1% every single day. Our system of success will help minimize the friction that derails habit formation and maximize our potential by stacking upon existing habits. Now, habits don't appear out of nowhere in our lives. Our habits, the good and the bad, are always formed in the same four-step process. Cue, craving, response. You see a donut. You crave the taste. You eat the donut. You savor it. You see an ad for a cruise. You long to be on vacation. You book a trip. You relax. You feel tired. You want to feel alert. You pour a cup of coffee. You get a boost. You notice your phone. You feel lonely, curious, or bored. You open the Facebook app. You feel engaged. This is the loop or process we all go through when we form a habit, and we see it in the scriptures as well. Let's, let's look at a few examples. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Check this out, 2 Samuel chapter 11. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. Then in verse 4, we're told, she came to him and he slept with her. Lastly, let's look at Mark chapter 1, verses 32 through 35. It says, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Cues take the tiny bits of information and they trigger a desire. We aren't necessarily thinking about creating a habit. All we're really thinking about is the reward. A cue can be almost anything, a smell, a sound, a time of day, a voice, but they lead to a craving. With the donut, we, we don't really crave the donut itself. What we crave is the sugary sweet taste of the donut. With the cruise, we, we don't crave the boat or, or really even the ocean. We crave the feelings associated with the boat and the ocean, the, the sense of relaxing and unplugging from the grind of life or the, the smell of the salty sea air. The third stage of the loop is the response. Our response is the habit. I'll say that one more time. Our response is the habit. A response can be a thought or an action. It can be a prayer to Jesus when we're feeling stressed or a passive-aggressive Facebook post when we're feeling annoyed. A response can be 10 push-ups when we're feeling tired 
or opening a family-sized bag of Cheetos when we're feeling sad. Responses lead us to the final stage of habit formation, the reward. Cues make us aware of the reward. Cravings make us desire the reward. And responses help us obtain the reward. Rewards satisfy our cravings and reinforce what's worth remembering in the future. For example, if coffee wakes you up in the morning when you're still, when you're still feeling tired, you probably will keep drinking coffee in the mornings in the future. If eating junk food or binge watching Grey's Anatomy or shopping for shoes on Amazon make you feel better when you are feeling sad, these are the habits you're likely forming in your life. Fulfilling rewards also release a chemical in our brain called dopamine. Dopamine is critical in motivating us to seek pleasurable experiences. This cycle of cue, craving, response, and reward is how the habits in our lives are created. And knowing this is valuable because now we can rewire some of our existing habits to get 1% better every day at following Jesus. Let's take drinking coffee in the morning. What does your typical coffee habit or routine look like? Is your coffee maker set to brew a pot 10 minutes before you wake up? Do you have a cup at the same time every morning? Do you have multiple cups throughout the day? If our goal is to get 1% better at following Jesus every day, what would it look like if we took this existing habit and stacked another habit on top of it? What I'm suggesting is that we develop a system of success where our existing habits function as cues for the new habits we want to implement. Let, let's say that right now you wake up in the morning at 6.30 and you make yourself a cup of coffee. What if while your coffee was brewing, you read a verse or two from your Bible and then you drank your coffee? Perhaps you stack one final habit onto that. Maybe after you put your coffee mug in the sink and leave for work, you spend 30 seconds praying for your family and the rest of their day. You see, by stacking one identity-based habit, becoming someone who loves God's Word, on top of an existing habit, drinking coffee in the morning before work, we can minimize the friction that comes with starting a new habit. Most people eat lunch every day. That's an existing habit that we don't have to give much thought to. Knowing you want to become someone who draws near to God, what if while you drove to the restaurant or as you unpacked your lunch, you spent one minute thanking Jesus for all the good things he's done in your life or praying for the people who prepared or packaged your food? What I'm suggesting is taking new habits that we want to develop in our lives and piggybacking them with our existing habits. The benefits of connecting our habits in this way is we don't have to wait for inspiration to strike or motivation to kick in. We don't have to wait until we, we feel like praying or reading our Bibles. We've already determined what we're going to do and when we're going to do it. You see, the key to long-term success of the system can be summed up or explained in basically four words. To succeed, these new habits need to be obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying. The new habit needs to be obvious or we will overlook it in the busyness of our lives. Habit formation starts with awareness. If we aren't sure what habit we're going to do or when we're going to do it, it probably isn't going to last for very long. Our new habit also needs to be attractive or they won't be worth doing in the moment. 
The more attractive our habits are, the better they tend to stick. So if you love coffee and you drink it every morning, you might consider reading a verse or two and then reward yourself with a cup of coffee. If that won't work because you can't function without the caffeine, it's really important to find another way to reward yourself so that your new habit is as attractive as possible. Our habits need to be easy. None of us have a limitless supply of motivation. Most people stop doing hard things over time. So don't make getting 1% better too hard on yourself. Before you go to bed, set your Bible by your coffee maker or at the place you will be drinking your coffee in the morning. If we have to go find our Bible when it's time to read, we're only adding more friction and resistance to the formation of our new habit and sabotaging our potential. Keep in mind I've said things like read a verse or two or pray for a minute or two for a reason. At the beginning, every new habit requires effort. With each repetition, the habit gets easier. With enough practice, the habit becomes automatic or second nature. Would it be great to spend hours a day studying the Bible or praying? Well, of course. But don't be afraid to standardize a godly habit before you optimize it. The goal is not to get us through the Bible. The goal is to get the Bible through us, to draw nearer to Jesus as we read and pray. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29, God asks Jeremiah, Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that smashes a rock? You remember what God said about his word in Isaiah chapter 55? He said, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We know that it only takes a tiny spark to start a huge fire. God is telling both Isaiah and Jeremiah that his word is powerful and always produces fruit when it falls on good soil. So as we seek to fall in love with God's word, we should focus more on quality than on quantity. Make starting your new habit easy so you will stick with it. And in time, optimize your approach for better results. If we want these habits to last, they need to be satisfying. One of the most critical elements in getting a habit to stick is the feeling of success. When we step on the scale and we see that we've lost weight, it's satisfying and it motivates us to stick with it. When we study hard and we get a good grade, we feel a sense of accomplishment and we stick with it. When it comes to drawing nearer to God through prayer and study, I think there are two easy ways to make it satisfying. First, track your progress. Keep a journal and record what you've read each day. What did you learn about Jesus or yourself in your time with God? Trust me, it won't take long before we start to see progress. Remember, God's Word is powerful. Maybe keep a journal of your prayer concerns and note when God responds. So one, track your progress. And secondly, I'd recommend inviting a friend into this process to support you. It's great to have a workout partner or a running buddy because they won't let us skip workouts. As disciples, we need this in our lives as well. So find someone you trust and invite them into the journey with you. Offer them permission to spur you on and celebrate your spiritual gains with you. Heck, they may even see improvements in you that you don't see yourself. 
and their perspective can make your habits all the more satisfying. Like, I, I don't really know what your current habits are, but I do know that because we belong to Jesus, everything in our lives can change for the better. We don't have to be chained to our past or live like the old versions of ourselves. If we want to become a lover of the word, we can. If we want to be the kind of people who draw near to Jesus daily, we can. So think about some of your existing routines and habits and look for opportunities to stack some new habits on top of them. Remember to make your habit obvious so there's no confusion. Consider giving yourself some added rewards during your habit so it will be immediately attractive. Be sure you start with something easy so you'll stick with it and optimize over time. Finally, make it satisfying by keeping a record of your progress and inviting a friend to journey with you. Keep in mind what we said last week. None of our habits will stick if they aren't tied to our identity. Repenting of our sins and being baptized is a way of publicly identifying with Jesus. If you've never identified with Christ, accepted Him as your Savior, and handed your life over to Jesus, you can do that today. The invitation is open to you. You can repent and be baptized and claim Jesus as your Savior and start living a brand new life. You can reach out to us at info at lincolnhillschristian.com or send us a message on Facebook and we can help you take your next step in following Jesus. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing one last song. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word uh, and we thank you that you have not abandoned us or left us to do life all by ourselves. You've sent your son to give us a fresh start, to give us a new identity. And we just ask that your Holy Spirit will help to motivate us, to bring to uh, our attention the things in our lives that we can do a better job of so that we can follow you more closely. Father, we love you and we just ask for your help in getting 1% better every single day for your glory so that we might make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We love you and pray all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.